Hey guys, welcome to episode 259 of the podcast with my guest Ruby Carp. Uh, if you read the description, you already know that this is a very special episode because uh, Ruby is uh, in fact still a teenager and she's awesome. Um, we were able to connect me from here in Los Angeles and she from uh, New York and uh, we had a great chat. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Uh, just a couple of other pieces of business I want to cover. Uh, one, I want to thank Amanda and Heidi for your emails. Uh, and I also want to tell people about a couple of uh, live shows that I'm doing. Um, both of them are readings of Plan 9 from Outer Space, which is a classic Ed Wood uh, script that Dana Gould has um, written some dare I say, uproarious new stage directions too. We've been doing it uh, a fair amount over the last year or so, and it's it's just been such an incredibly fun time. So if you are in the New York area, um, New York Comic Con, I will be there for that, doing Cora and Stand Against Evil stuff. Um, and October 6th, Friday, October 6th at 8 p.m., the Littlefield Theater in Brooklyn, New York uh, Comic Con is presenting this production of Plan 9. Um, it has some serious heavy hitters, Scott Atzit, Michael Ian Black, Ennis Esmer, Mark Agliardi, Dana Gould, Gilbert Godfrey, Gene Gray, John Hodgman, Ron Lynch, and Adam Savage and me. That's an insane show. Of course, music by the spectacular Eben Schletter. Um, I don't know why I even thought about leaving that off. You know why? Because I'm staring at a poster and his print is in white and everyone else's name is in black. So I overlooked it for one second and then immediately corrected myself. And then the other show we're doing is at Largo in uh, Los Angeles, and that is uh, Sunday, October 29th at 8 p.m., and that is a cast of some some crossovers and some uh, people that I did not already list uh, who will be in New York. So this Los Angeles performance has Dana, me, um, Eben, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, Lorraine Newman, Brian Posehn, Jonah Ray, Matt Bronger. Deborah Baker Jr., Nate Mooney. It's going to be a really great show and uh, has a puppetry element as well. So I'm very, very excited about those shows. And if there are still tickets left, I strongly encourage you to come and come say hi. You will all laugh your ass off. Uh, and then the final thing I'm going to say is I always forget to do this. I feel like I've done it in maybe three intros in 259 episodes. But if you can take a second and um, review my podcast on iTunes, give it a five-star review, say you love it. Uh, I never, ever, ever think to ask people to do it. And therefore, I don't think people do it very often. Uh, and I don't like at, at, to ask to do it, but um, someone from Apple just reminded me like, hey, your podcast is really popular, but it doesn't show up uh, as easily as other podcasts because it's not rated in the same, with the same consistency. So I don't know, give it, a th give it a thought, give it some thought. Um, that's it. I hope you enjoy the episode. I feel sure you will. And uh, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Now entering Nerdist.com. I just got back from school where it's 90 degrees inside of the building because you know what? there's no AC. I saw your tweet about that and I was yeah. alarmed. I saw that the nurse was like, oh, what's going on? Why are there so many kids in the nurse's office? And you were basically intimating, uh, hello, there's a really yeah. good reason for that. <laughs> yeah. The DOE in New York turns off the AC after like September 22nd. And, you know, global warming's a thing. And it's like not even that cold out outside, but in the school building, it is like literally like people are drenched in sweat. Like Ugh. three kids had to go to the ER. Like it was so bad. And it's been like this like all week and they haven't fixed it. So that, and, and now, of course, we're talking about like we're getting right into it about bureaucracy, right? It's like the things <laughs> that take the slowly moving wheels, if they move at all, of hey, these are our kids uh, out there just trying to get an education, showing up like they're supposed to, and instead they end up in the emergency room. It seems crazy pants that they yeah. can't do something faster than, than, than they've done. Yeah, it's also like, okay, like the thing is my high school is 3,000 kids 
And it's like, you know, there are colleges that are that amount of children, but the administration isn't bad there. Like all, all the kids are taken care of. Like the kids have a good education, you know, it's like a good system, but you know, public high schools in New York City, I guess that's just like not the case because the administration literally does not handle anything. Yeah, it's so that's such a bummer, too, because I I don't know um, how you feel about it. But I went to public high school and, and I my both my parents taught one taught at a private school, interestingly, and then one my the one my dad that I basically lived with taught at the high school, in fact, that I went to, um, which was kind of fun. But, uh, but, you know, I really believe that everyone's entitled to the same level of education, no matter how much money they have. I, I'm just that's something I feel very passionate. Oh, yeah, about. absolutely. You know what I mean? And so and so when you hear stories like this, you just sort of put your head in your hands and go, guys, we don't need one more reason for people to hate public school systems. We need yeah. help. We don't need exactly. to. Exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Are you uh, are you very heat sensitive? Like I am. I would have oh, been one of well, the kids I who got sent dehydra- to the Yeah, exactly. I get dehydrated like really, really, really easily. Me too. I will faint or get really, really dizzy if I don't have water or food for like 30 minutes. Yeah, it's like I, bad. So I'll be like sitting in global class and like I'm trying to pay attention and like, you know, get my education. But I'm just sitting there drenched in sweat, like about to die. And I'm trying to learn about, you know, James Madison, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't mean, expect like, you to granted, be Granted, obviously, I'm thankful to be getting an education, period. But like... Come on, if you have, our school puts on musicals every year that like literally cost $100,000 to put on, yet like we can't afford to get some AC. Like I just don't understand. I have to tell you, that is uh, that that is the the reverse of what I thought you were going to say. I thought you were going to be, <laughs> or, or like I thought, I think I thought you were going to say like, if we can spend $50,000 on a football homecoming, um, <laughs> like so many people are complaining well, about to, not having arts I go to in school, performing at least arts you guys school. have, oh. Oh, there it is. Okay. Wow. Yeah. A 3000 person performing arts. So it's like, is it like a magnet school where that's the kind of emphasis or is it very, very specifically performing It's the arts? fame school. It's the fame school. Yeah. So what it's, it, okay. It's, we have majors. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's like drama, dance, art, music, v- uh, instrumental and technical theater. And uh, don't pass out. Yeah, and don't pass out. Yeah. Um, what? Uh, God, that is that's just so crazy. What? Um, and so when when teachers are addressing it with you guys and like the faculty and and the administration, as you mentioned, that doesn't seem to be able to do anything. Um, how are they? communicating that to you guys are they just kind of going well guys we're all in this together we don't have any control over it so thanks for showing up sorry yeah I mean I don't mean to exploit uh, my school but I don't like it at all and I think it's a really messed up institution so I will Um, (laughs) the thing is my teachers it's funny because the teachers who like care about their jobs and care about actually educating children and not just textbooks and common core they care about their jobs and they are fully aware of the fact that like the college process is miserable and like you're completely on your own because the administration is awful and like it's kind of the way my school administration works is kind of like the government it's just kind of like really corrupt run by like a horrible person and like is just not doing well at Mm. all Mm. uh but the thing is like it is kind of like america you know we have the new yorkers who are aware of what's happening and are trying to do something about it it's not really working but it's kind of making a change in a small Mm -hmm. way Mm -hmm. that's what it's like to go to school a public school in new york city that's controlled by the doe it's awesome (laughs) it's awesome do you have to uh yeah oh go ahead Grant, no, I mean, like, I don't, and I, I totally don't mean to, like, sound like a horrible person. Obviously, I'm so thankful to go to, like, a phenom- like a school where I get to study both arts and get, uh, learn things. It's just, like, frustrating when I would like to learn, but I can't because I'm not learning. I'm just reading a textbook and memorizing things. No, I totally get it. And, and you know, that it, we were sort of in, um, we're, we, we live in a world right now where we are 
because we know so much about what's going on in the rest of the world, at least more than we did, say, for example, um, you know, when I was in high school, I just didn't, uh, obviously, I'm sure you know this, but like, you know, I didn't have the internet. And so, you know, the, ama- the amount <laughs> what of, what a time, what a crazy dark time. No, but like, we didn't, back you know, in I the didn't, day. way back in the day, we, we had, you know, obviously, we, we had access to information, we had access to news, we had access to public radio, all those kinds of things. But we didn't have the immediacy and the like overwhelming amount of information about things far and wide. And so we're living in this time where we have this profound daily sense of exactly what's going on, or at least a version of what's going on all over the world. And so it's hard to complain about being in a first world country. It can be difficult to hear yourself complain about something like your school being hot. But at the same time, we all live in the reality that we each individually live in. And there are pros and cons to each of those scenarios. And you're entitled to have a, a comfortable educational experience um, the same as somebody else somewhere else, but you can, you're living in the sphere that you're living in. So you, you know, it's like none of us wants to say, well, this feels like a really, you know, this is, this is, I'm miserable right now. And then you go, well, I'm not that miserable because I know people are more miserable than me, but you also have to fight for your environment and your surrounding peers and stuff to be, you know, to have a, a fair, to be in a fair situation and to be as taken care of as you can be by the public school system. So, you know, you also, it sounds like you're also, you know, you're aware of what's going on around you, but you're also able to say like, I need to fight for what's not right about what's right in front of me. Yeah. Well, it's funny because the thing is about the privilege we have being in the country we live in and just existing comfortably is our problems are so unimportant, like so unimportant, like, oh my God, there's no AC in my school and I'm learning out of a textbook, like, oh my God, I'm literally the worst person ever. But at the same time, when you are living comfortably, your problems are amplified because your version of a serious problem is the fact that you're drenched in sweat and can't learn, whereas other people can't learn and like that's their that's like a problem and the thing is you know i i actually talk about this a lot in the book how obviously none of my problems really matter but to me right now while i'm going through everything and while i'm living it it does matter because I am used to comfortable living and like it annoys me when I'm walking in the street and someone like stops in the middle of the street and then I like bump into them and I'm like oh my god can you not like stand in the middle of the street when I'm walking fast like (laughs) but obviously that's not a real problem but in the moment it really does feel like one well and I think um and 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 by the way I do want to get I I, let's let's talk about your your book because I want everybody to know um what you're talking about when you talk about that but uh but I will say Again, I think you're you're you make the very good point that you know we could all choose to live in a sort of existential panic about feeling like we don't we shouldn't be allowed to be upset about things, but the reality is we're going to feel upset about them and I think to be better versions of ourselves we need to be able to process all of those feelings we need to process our own problems our own immediate problems our own challenges our own insecurities so that we're the best version of ourselves so that we can also contribute to trying to help solve problems that are bigger than ours right yeah exactly I know and I completely agree I think obviously like I feel like when we talk about our problems or our versions of problems, we talk about them expecting people to know that we know we're just whining and being annoying, but we still are humans and we need to rant when we're feeling things. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So tell us, um, tell us about your book. Let's, uh, let's assume Ah. some of the people listening aren't, um, don't know what it is yet because I've said absolutely nothing about it. So hit us up. All right. Um, a little self promo. Uh, I my name is Ruby. Um, I am seventeen. I totally did not know what age I was just now. Um, <laughs> did I, you have I a rec- birthday recently? Yeah, yeah, I did. I I did a panel over the weekend, and they were like sixteen year old Ruby Carp, and I was like, nope, that's not my age. <laughs> and like, 
all of the, I guess like when we went out with pitches to like magazines and stuff or like like all different publications in the pitch was a junior in high school Ruby Carp is doing stuff and I'm like nope I'm actually a, I'm a senior as of two weeks ago so that's awesome right but um yeah I again first world problems um I am a senior in high school I recently wrote a book called Earth Hates Me uh true confessions of a teenage girl it's a memoir slash like self-help but not in an annoying way book uh basically it's just about it follows 10 different topics of what it's like to be a teenager in today's society and just it's about i tell personal stories from my life and i just pull advice and life things and thoughts about them it covers feminism and heartbreak and friendship and family and just all the different and social media and all just all the different aspects that are now going into growing up in today's society uh outstanding um i I, i have to imagine that the number i mean i feel like i'm self-aware enough to know that i am having the same reactions as everyone else but i also am self-aware enough to not want to just be another person saying stuff and that's probably true (laughs) of a lot of people so i sometimes i couch things i'm saying with the with the sort of like inside like i'm i'm like elbowing you in the ribs a little bit like hey are you tired of people saying wow when i was your age i wish i would have written them you like (laughs) that's got to be that that's got to be when you're when you're sort of functioning in a world where you're talking to people who are used to, you know, adults having, you know, promoting their books and talking about that stuff. Um, yeah. I want to, I want to try to steer clear of this, all of those kind of like, wow, you know, what's funny is a lot of people who are older than you feel blank, blank and blank. Yeah. Um, like, oh my God, do you know people twice your age want to do what you just did at this age? And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, there's, there's there's not there's not much you can do with that other than go cool. Yeah, cool, in this case, yeah. I did do it though. So anyway, so I feel weird now, right? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Um, how I want I do want to ask you how, uh, when you sort of started to realize, and maybe this is something that you know has just always been a part of your life. But when did you start to realize that you um, had opinions, particularly? Let's talk about feminism first. Yeah. That um, you know, for whatever reason, whatever the voices you were hearing echoed around you, whatever it was that inspired you to want to become a voice to the many rather than just yeah. to a few. Um, talk about that if you don't mind. Yeah, well, I mean, people might, a lot of people don't actually realize this, but I've been writing and being an activist for a lot longer than just this book. The first time I really, really went out into the world and like did something about it, I was seven and I was on Amy Poehler's Smart Girls at the Party talking about feminism. Nice. Yeah. And and, so, and, and what was that? What was the context that like what kind of what were you kind of talking about then? Uh, well, Smart Girls at the Party is this like oh, little yeah. web Love show it. talk show. Yeah, Love it's it. this like little web show thing that Amy does, and she interviews young girls who are passionate about different things. And my mom started a magazine called Bust, and it's a feminist magazine, and it's all about women's empowerment. So, from a really young age, feminism was like one of the most important things in my life. So I considered myself pretty, pretty educated about the topic. And she was like, Ruby, come on my show and talk about it. And I was like, all right. Uh, Back then I had a book that I wrote was not published, but, you know, I did share it at my show and tell in kindergarten all about feminism. And uh, it was just like montages of photos of me doing things, being like, if a boy can do the monkey rings, so can a girl. And like, here's a picture of Rosa Parks and just like all the different little things that go into the basis of feminism when you're seven <laughs> which admittedly may be a less about say something like birth control than you yeah, might talk exactly. about when you're getting older. <laughs> it, yeah exactly it, it was like i mean it's still everything i said in that video still remains true the fact that boys and girls are of equal value and the fact that moms everywhere should be appreciated and stuff like that but now and and what i talk about in the book is more like girl on girl hating and how when girls attack other girls, that's dangerous territory. And like, you can't do that because if you call yourself a feminist, that means you don't want to bring other women down because if you do that, then that is totally defying everything that feminism stands for and slut shaming and how slut shaming is horrible. And 
just like all the and like sex and the pressure to have sex and what it's like to be a girl a teenage girl with social media influencing that and just all of the different things that really really go into feminism when you're a teenage girl sure and it is really nuanced right i mean i think that like the your point about girl girl hate, girl just the general kind of overview of of girls hating other girls or 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 that kind of cruelty that um that seems really kind of specific to girls of the same age and women of all ages um doing that is it's tough right because then you kind of go down this road where if you don't agree with someone or you don't appreciate or respect necessarily and that's tough because you're I mean ideally we would all respect everyone but if somebody is saying such inflammatory things that you feel that they are you know they that, that you that it's very difficult for you to respect their opinion um then do you like what do you do as uh as a woman speaking about another woman can you be critical of that person as and and really just focus in on their views rather than make it about their gender like how do you yeah I would love to hear kind of what your take is on the advice that you would give to someone for example let me say this and I um on Twitter I'm not particularly vocal about uh being politically critical and stuff because um, neither am I I have a really hard time with hate like people sending me hate speech (laughs) yeah me no me too you know what I mean so I sort of have that like well I understand that there's and I was just talking about this with someone this idea of a social responsibility as a person that you know has maybe a farther reach than somebody who is is not in the public eye on some level uh, or putting themselves in the public eye on some level but also I believe that each person has the right to figure out what like how strong or loud that voice can be for their own well-being so that they continue to be again that kind of best version of themselves but for example if I were to say and this is not a great example because I actually think it's important to have voices like and Coulter out there but um but if but if if I came to you and I said you know Ruby ugh, this you know this woman is such a disappointment to me because I feel like she's she you know she's being this very loud voice and I feel that she's actually um putting forward you know a, a sexist or chauvinistic agenda I feel like she's 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 trying to slide us backwards with all the progress that has been made um and and I and I really need people to know that's how I feel how would you um advise me to express that so I've dealt with this a lot there is a lot especially in high school of girls attacking other girls for their views the way they are the photo they posted different things like that and the thing is you and a person can have opposing views like you can't control what someone else is thinking that's just like that's a fact you cannot you can try and influence their thoughts but in the end you are your own person they're their own person you can't control them but the real way, if you really call yourself a feminist and if you're really a person who genuinely wants to make a change and wants equality and wants women to be empowered, you will handle situations with delicacy. Yeah. I think a lot of feminism starts with education. Mm-hmm. And if you see a girl calling another girl a slut instead of attacking her and being like how dare you look you horrible person you fake feminist you you should sit her down and be like hey I know you meant no harm by that or maybe you did but if you want as a woman to be empowered and to not be like offended in the work field and just be offended as a person you can't call other girls sluts because when you do that, you make it okay for other people to do that, specifically boys to do that. Right. And I think with the way our society is working now, we're so politically t- correct to the point where if someone says the wrong thing or something comes out wrong, even when the intentions are good, we 
quickly jump to attacking people Mm -hmm. as opposed to talking to them. And really, if any of us actually cared about making a change and really wanted to influence the world in a positive way and make the world a more positive and better place, that attacking people will literally get us nowhere. The only way to really make a change and really get girls to stop hating on other girls and to get women and men and everyone to be of equal value is really to educate each other Mm -hmm. and sit each other down and have debates and talk about different views and understand that people have opposing views and you can't just sit there like obviously I don't agree with a Trump supporter obviously but if a Trump supporter is talking to me about their views in a calm manner, I can't be like, ha, well, you suck and you should die because you have bad morals. Right. Like, I can't do that. Even I though could, I, com- yeah. even like, like, even if you disagree with someone, you need to just like, let them be them and tell them your views. And if it helps them get better in the way they think, in my opinion, then like, yeah, that's awesome. If it doesn't, then like, you tried. I couldn't agree more with you, Ruby, and I feel like that's that's the kind of slippery slope of, of social media sometimes, and 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 it's it, it's interesting for me because obviously we do come from different generations. It's nice for me to learn from you that that's um, you know if you if you agree with me that that's maybe one of the challenges of something like social media, where the more used to it you are, and the more kind of you know prevalent like the, the more pervasive it is in terms of like okay now we're all you know many of us live in a in, in a time where at any given time we could just be you know scrolling through twitter scrolling through instagram you know um uh, snapchat like the the immediacy of stuff um and the like and i'm not saying anything new but the anonymity of it as well um creates this environment where both as if there are two sides but <laughs> there are <laughs> I'm about to yeah. quote Trump as I'm like, let me go ahead and quote our president. There are many sides. Uh oh. Uh, but that 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 it's so easy to just fire off a quick response and 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 it's an angry one and that it does. I like. When have you ever changed the mind of someone that you have? insulted in a quick and immediate rapid fire like you're an idiot like oh is that how like in what way does that advance any cause any change yeah and also like I have like I've dealt with it firsthand like and it's like I'm also like I'm a person who it's like and obviously I'm so bound for failure because this is the literally I want to be in the entertainment industry. My number one like thing that I just cannot deal with is when I fight with people, when people are mean to me or about me, like I just cannot handle it because I'm just like, oh my God, like what did I like? I'm so sorry I offended you. Oh my God, like I'm so sorry. Like I did something wrong. Like that kills me when people are mad at me. So it's like, it's so hard when you get attacked via social media because the thing is, one, you're not with the person so you can't have a calm, Mm -hmm. civilized discussion about whatever you're arguing about or whatever you're getting attacked about because people can hide behind their screens. It's become this like huge, like honestly, like this just huge problem for growing up and if people were living in a society where speaking your mind and wanting to make a change and using your voice is such so encouraged now but it's honestly almost discouraging when you're afraid to post something on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat that's you advocating for something in fear that you're going to get attacked for it Mm -hmm. and you said this is something that you cover in your book a little bit too yeah Right completely on. right on and what what kind are you, these the kind of conversations that you're having with friends and stuff as well yeah the thing is that's really hard about these discussions is that everyone first of all thinks they know everything and I and I'm not saying I know everything I have so much to learn but everyone now is under the impression that they know everything about activism and feminism and racism and sexism everyone thinks that they know 
what it means to be a feminist and what it means to be a person. And it's like, yeah, what it means to be a feminist is that you believe in equal rights. Like that's what it is. It's not this like club that's exclusive to only a certain breed of person. It's like, no, if you care about feminism and care about equality and really want to make a change, the change is that you're not exclusive and that you welcome people and want people to come out and be like, yeah, I'm a feminist. And like, here's why. Absolutely. But everyone seems to fear that now. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's part of what I think people maybe are reacting to. Um, and obviously this is, this, I, I don't know if you saw the whole Mel Brooks, um, thing that was that kind of trending on Twitter a couple of days ago, uh, I don't really check Twitter. What happened? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I don't either, but a really close friend of mine ended up getting swept up in all of it. (laughs) So I ended up finding out a lot more about it than I normally would have. Um, Well, Mel Brooks, uh, you know, who is is, is this, you know, legendary um, filmmaker and and has had many films that have really pushed the boundaries of what was politically correct at the time, you know, what, what, what he was satirizing, things like that. And he ended up making a comment saying like, I could never make the movies that I made then. I could never make them now because PC culture is in essence, you know, ruining comedy, I think was maybe the term he used. I am well, paraphrasing, yeah, so I could be that wrong. Is, but yeah, but it's, but it's a tricky, but then, but that like, it's that a tricky, the, it's a tricky argument to have. Yeah. Right. It's really hard because like, Bo Burnham is maybe one of my favorite comedians in the world, but like you show that to someone who is insanely politically correct, they're gonna, they're, I don't even know what would happen. I think they'd like actually have a riot. Yeah. And like, I mean, the thing is, I mean, like, I, I'm a comedian. I like so much of comedy is being not politically correct because you are always offending someone because someone is always the butt of your joke totally totally and i think that's i think it's 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 definitely weird territory to navigate and i think um i think what i felt about that when i when i kind of started digging digging into it a little bit particularly since you know and this is like you said, because we both do comedy uh, and we are feeling the the winds of change or the, oh, this is, a, this is a time where now maybe I shouldn't say this, even though I'm trying to make a point, just saying this mm-hmm. word might make someone uncomfortable or, you know, and I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying like, I want to use a word that is offensive to people, but mm-hmm. even just saying, you know, even just talking about someone else yeah. saying something offensive yeah like to make fun of the person who's being offensive even that is like well maybe we shouldn't be spreading that kind of so I agree with you that it that it's 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 a worthwhile conversation to have and there was really a lot of activity in you know sort of the Twitter comedy world of of people who didn't necessarily agree with one another but I guess I feel like um This is maybe the most naive thing in the world I could say, but I would love to get your take on it because I haven't really talked to anyone about this since it happened. But I guess I feel like, you know, every once in a while, someone will get offended by something I say or do. And I'm kind of at the place where I, I, and like you, I hate being criticized or I hate being feeling like I've hurt someone or that I've offended someone. Um, But I am in comedy. So as you say, this is very tricky to be very, very highly sensitive and also want to be fearless in ways. But um, that I that I want to be able to say, not to be gross, but like, if you can step back and look at like me overall and the breadth of my work, yeah, I know exactly. I'm hoping that you will see, you know what I mean? Like, have I not shown you that That my heart is in the right place? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's the, that's the thing. We all seem to just be apologizing for everything we're saying now because we're afraid someone's going to be offended when, if you really look at everything you've done and all of the activism you've done and all of the things you've done, it's obvious that you obviously, like you obviously you're a feminist, obviously you're not racist, obviously you're a good person. But you know, like if you say, if something comes out wrong or if you make a joke that offends the wrong person, you immediately become this like person who people attack via Twitter or Facebook or any of those. And it's this weird slippery slope of like, 
um, I'm, I don't mean harm by this, but at the same time, like it's offending someone. And if it's offending someone, is that like not okay? Because the thing is about comedy is comedy is offensive. And, but the thing is, that's what makes comedy so great is that it brings out it shows people the flaws in humanity and how ridiculous we are. I was watching this. I I told you I'm a drama major at my school and we were sitting in class and we were watching this old video of uh, a UCB ass cat show. And Tina Fey was doing a monologue. Like she was the monologist of the night and she made some joke about like Jews and how she like how something happened at like a market and it was like so Jewish or something like that. And like you read the comments and stuff and like everyone's like she's making fun of Jews like how dare she and like all this stuff. And it's like guys like come on obviously she's not like all right let's redo the Holocaust like she's just like making a joke like calm down she's clearly not like literally the worst person in the world and like even and on the subject of that i thought her cake skit on snl a few weeks ago was fantastic did you see the weekend update thing she did i didn't but i read about it yeah it was it was great because she was pointing out a like a huge societal flaw and i read this facebook post that my friend posted and she was like like this is so white privilege like all this stuff like this is not this is making a joke of like everything that's activism and i was like no it's not it's pointing out how how dumb white privilege is and how dumb we are as a society but also how we need to like take action yeah like I feel like we're all so scared of offending someone that we've forgotten that like we can laugh and like not offend someone for five seconds. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to go back to to something um, that you were talking about. I'm sorry, this is so heavy. Uh, <laughs> like I, we can get into some fun stuff soon. I don't know if you know this, but at the end of every uh, interview, I play like a mash game, Mansion Apartment Shack House. Oh my god, beautiful! So we're gonna dig into some mash, uh, and I promise that will be very playful. But um, but I I was really struck by um, uh, the, the kind of what we were talking about when. We were talking about slut shaming and and you know female sexuality and that kind of stuff and and I would love to just um, just hear from you a little bit about about that because I'll tell you my personal struggle with that and 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 you are part of a different generation and and you know the idea and the hope is that we do keep moving forward even though that's the other thing is like as as frustrating and as hard as things are right now and and they absolutely deserve attention and they absolutely deserve activism and I'm not discounting any of that in any way we also have to be able to appreciate how far we've come um we don't I don't want to I you know we because because we can't if everybody is just yelling about how bad everything is now, then I feel like that doesn't pay service to the incredible people upon whose backs and actions we got to the point where we can complain about what we're complaining about now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So we have no, to yeah, really it's like cherish you, those people, you know. Yeah. Well, it's like if you look at history and like how far we've come in the past 100 years, it's insane. Like, can you imagine 100 years ago right now, people arguing about the fact that people are too politically correct to the point where it's almost like destructive? Like, I can't even imagine. Yeah, but exactly. Like, yeah, like, yeah, it's, it's actually like, it's incredible that we can have this kind of conversation. But the thing is, like, we are living in a society now where we are so aware to the point where it's almost harmful to each other. Yeah. And I think, I think the other thing, and, and then I, I promise I'll dive back into the, the sec kind of female sexuality thing in a second. But um, I think that's, that's too, where you get to the place where you're like, there's a, there when, when, and, and it's for, and every moment is different and each person is different in the way that they, um, fight against something or or advocate for change can be different from the other person but when is the time for righteous indignation and and or anger and or rage and or whatever versus the time for compassion the time for communication because you know one of the things that I think people um you know, here we have this whole issue with the a, a far left violent situation because people are like, I'm tired of, you know, 
not saying that I'm their voice, but people saying like, oh, liberals, they'll just roll over. Like, this is how this all happened in the first place. They're just too passive. They're too like lovey-dovey. They're too compassion, empathy, yada, yada. They don't fight back hard enough. So, you know, now we're going to start fighting like like the, the alt-right does or, you know, we're going to start, oh, you know, battling against free speech because we just, you know, we don't want hate speech to be out there anymore and all that kind of stuff. And, and so I think that's the other thing too is, right, is like finding that balance uh, as a culture of of when do you shout to be heard and when do you um, listen? You know what I mean? When do you shut up yeah. and listen? Um, uh, but but what I wanted to ask you, because so this is what I was going to say, is my relationship to um, female sexuality, specifically as as with, as goes like with, not really the way you dress, but but sometimes choices that, um, that women make uh, that, t- to your point, I don't want to criticize their personal choices because feminism should be making whatever choice you want and and if it's right for you um and so what i bump up against and i'm curious what your thoughts are on this is is that same kind of history that we were just talking about is trying to um trying to let go of the idea that for example, if a woman chooses to be a prostitute, like my problem is that I worry so much about her that she is still part of a system that is not fixed yet, that mm-hmm. it's not, a, that, that I'm worried that even though to her it might feel like a feminist choice, I'm still like, and I'm not saying I disrespect worried, that yeah. choice, but I'm worried about her because I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but we're not, that's not a system in which women are protected and and, yeah. and are equal yet, so how can that be feminist? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know complete. I know exactly what you mean. I think with situations like that, again, it's hard because you don't want to be critical of a w- another woman's choices because it's her body, it's her choice. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you fear for her safety. Yeah, exactly. Like literally the safety of her body. Yeah. And, and, and I don't want to be the person, you know, uh, that's the other thing that, that is kind of a hot button right now is, you know, why do, uh, why do some people get to decide they know what's best for other people, right? Is this sort of, yeah. and I completely Why is get someone that. more of a feminist than someone else? Yeah. Or, you know, why does it, why does a privileged white person get to make a decision about what, how money is distributed when we're talking about a black community that needs help? Why are, you know, who, who gets to say how that money should be allocated or or who, you know, what aren't the people who are in that neighborhood the best people to make the decision because they really know the community. Like there are a lot of conversations like that happening. And so that goes again to this idea of like, well, why do I get to sit in, you know, my comfortable house um, and, 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 and say that I don't want, you know, a girl to do porn because I'm worried that she's still part of an industry that, you know, exploits women. And, and so, um, and so I don't know, like, I just don't know when to act and when to just sit back and go, well, I am hoping for the best. And the thing is, that's hard about that is that it's not like my point before where you can sit them down and educate them because most of the time you probably don't know these women. You just know of what's happening. Right. Or let them educate me. You know what I mean? Like I yeah, can't sit down with them, them and have let them, them say, inform you. Yeah. yeah. Like here's, here's the company I founded. Here's my relationship to sex. Here's, you know, here are all the choices I'm making that you're just going to have to take my word for it as a fellow r- woman who respects another woman. I know what I'm doing, you know, and to be able to back off and go, I totally support that. I think if someone is making the conscious choice because they want to for their own reason then it is their choice right and like that's like yeah i agree like i think there is a big equality issue in things like porn and prostitution and things like that but i do think that if that if that's a woman's actual choice it wasn't like a forced into it thing then like you know what that's her choice yeah yeah. And like, no matter where your morals stand, no matter who you are, like that, that is, it's her body. And if she wants to do that, she can. Totally agree. Totally like, agree. I do think that porn is completely one of the most toxic things, especially for my generation, because, and I, ta- I literally talk about this all the time. I didn't talk about it in the book, which I regret, but 
porn is influencing my generation in such a negative way because now that the internet is such a part of my like our lives young boys are watching porn at the age of 10 and it and it's not some like i stole my dad's playboy it's like literally like they are going on Pornhub at the age of 10 and watching porn and like seeing and like you know when you're 10 it's not a matter of good morals or bad morals it's oh i'm watching and learning and even if they're not actively like watching and learning it's an image that's in their mind as they're growing up and even if they're being raised by a feminist even if they're getting educated in health it's an image that throughout their entire lives they're just seeing and they might be acknowledging that it's wrong but when when you get to high school i'm taking health for the first time as a senior mm-hmm. and most of the people in my health class are taking health for the first time senior year so that means for all of high school and most likely middle school they we're not getting educated in sex in how to treat people right in hiv in all of those things they were not properly being educated on how to treat a person right. So these people are growing up watching women be abused, watching women be like be so demeaned as people and without realizing the nicest guys in the world who may be super respectful people will find themselves like give like making girls give them like super forceful blowjobs and like that's the norm now because that's what they've grown up watching and is that something that gets talked about just kind of you know socially in high school are people like you know what i'm trying to think like when i was in high school people would talk about sex and people would talk about you know our friend you know friends friends of mine that were having sex friends of mine that weren't having sex like we would talk about you know i think people were i feel like my friends were fairly graphic who were i was pretty aware of the reasons why friends of mine who weren't having sex weren't you know choosing not to um but porn was not something that you know it was like something that was it was still like an exotic thing to get your hands on you know and yeah and so it wasn't it it wasn't it didn't it didn't feel like it played uh, a role in the same way that i think it does now and is that is that a conversation like that you might have with a girlfriend like where you know yeah a, my a, a girlfriend, girlfriend does actually have that experience where she's like oh he clearly has been watching you know xyz yes, kind of porn. yes yeah well it's funny because boys are so oblivious to it like i've ha- i've pointed this out to so many of my guy friends and they've been like oh my god yeah i have a guy friend who i was talking to about the subject and he was like my biggest fear is accidentally doing something to a girl that like is not okay because I don't realize it because no one has told me that it's wrong. Mm. And there was one day where I was sitting with like five girlfriends and we were literally just sitting in a circle talk and they, we were all just talking about different experiences we had had in which we were like, Oh my God, this is the worst thing ever. Mm. And it's like, I heard stories about girls who with their long-term boyfriends who they love, who are amazing people, pulling like porno moves and then being like what are you doing and oh, no. them and their boyfriends just like not knowing that like that's not a thing you can do right so tell me this where do you feel like in terms of you know we've kind of talked about things that are problematic or or things that maybe um we need to to expose ourselves to a little bit less uh in terms of how to be better versions of ourselves what inspires you what do you like to watch and read and you know take in uh and talk about with people that you think is uh you know gets you excited and and uh and makes you laugh or you know or feels like okay this is like a thing that I think um you know I advocate because uh it's something that makes me happy and makes me feel empowered well the number one thing that makes me happy obviously is comedy nice I mean comedy and comedians and everything about comedy is the number one thing that makes me happy in this world it's Bo Burnham it's John Mulaney it's literally any Netflix special I've ever seen um (laughs) but I I love movies I love like small indie movies that are weird those make me really happy Francis Ha is one of my favorite movies ever sure 
It's one of the best. I think it is the single greatest movie of about friendship I've ever seen. It's an um, amazing movie. I agree. Yeah, and obviously uh, I love the classics like The Office and Parks and Rec and all those shows. But I think it's really important for people my age to identify with movies and TV shows because I think I've found so much of my personality in watching movies. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like that also is because I'm a person who w- wants to be a film major. But the thing is like, Throughout high school, I would finish my homework and then the plan for the night was to watch a movie. Yeah. And the number one thing that got me through each day was just like, okay, I'm going to go home tonight. I'm going to do my homework. I'm going to eat dinner and I'm going to watch a movie because it was the one thing. It was my one escape from reality and the one thing that kept me motivated because it was something that I could identify with. Yeah. In a film. Do you have uh, movies that you can watch over and over again? Uh, basically every movie I've ever seen. <laughs> I have any, all of my favorite movies I have seen over 30 times. No exaggeration. Right on. Do you feel like you notice like different things each time you watch them or you, or yes, you, you, that yeah. that's why I rewatch them. I also like can quote almost all of the movies I've seen like line by line. Like when I watch them, I'm like, Oh, I know what she's about to say. All right. Well, listen, I got I'm, I'm going to use this as a jumping off point into this mash game because um, oh, beautiful. it feels like a total no brainer to start out with one of my favorite categories, uh, which I think you'll enjoy if you can um, make some quick choices. That's the hardest thing about mash, right? Is uh, I'm sure I know. an hour from now, I'll get an email from you and you'll be like, "Ugh, I wish I would have said blah, blah, blah. Um, but uh, but tell me. So so here we go for our first category. Give me three movies that you would like to be able to jump into. And in this case, you're not reliving the plot you're just in there you're not one of the characters you're in there oh with God. all the characters in that world just enjoying it and being in that no. place okay um oh my god this is so much fresh air i, don't know. <laughs> I, know, oh, I have sorry. so many favorite movies um okay no wait because the thing is i have so many movies that i love but i would not want to be in the world of the mm-hmm. movie understood i have quite a few okay. of those too okay yeah obviously la la land um uh francis ha uh i don't oh my god this is so hard this is oh my god moonrise (laughs) kingdom uh nice uh, oh my god this oh, is no, so that's hard. it that was three. You oh, got that's them. it that's three okay i know it's so few um <laughs> okay oh but oh, you know what i'll two, do the same few. thing okay so that's okay so that's movies so that's movies that you can jump in and live in that world now give me three casts from tv <gasps> shows that you wish you could just be buddies with it's not even like it's oh. almost like they come into your world you know what i mean oh i fully yes okay. the office obviously okay. um Oh my God, this is so much pressure. Uh, Good Gilmore Girls. Great. Uh, a cl- you know, a classic. And I I just got to go with Parks and Recreation. Great, 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 great. Okay, Parks and Rec, great. Okay, give me three real life places that if getting there were no uh, problem that you could just kind of like immediately be at, three places in the world that would be cool to have a vacation home. Oh my God, Okay. I've always wanted to go to Santorini ever since I saw Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Great. Um, I'm uh, I, I uh Amsterdam because nice. I've always wanted to go there, and oh my god, this is so much pressure. <laughs> and, and and um, ever since I saw Eat Pray Love, I've always wanted to have a really spiritual experience in India. Great, but I wouldn't. I don't know if I would actually go there, but like I I, I feel like if I you know minus all the craziness that is happening in india if i could just have like the julia roberts experience i would right got it <laughs> got it well this is your mash game so we'll consider yeah. it the julia roberts india so this experience. is like this is the julia roberts version of it yeah totally got yeah. it totally got it the, like white privilege like female with a lot of money for uh-huh. no reason <laughs> version of this trip understood copy that okay next category is um three foods that you can have in perpetuity with zero ramifications and um and 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 then also can be like you know the thing that you can't get enough of because it's like rare or you had it somewhere else or whatever penne or vodka Mm, oh god i love vodka sauce right um skirt steak nice great and uh lobster great awesome okay three let's do three 
um, people living or dead that and they can also be like characters from something oh, um but no. three You've it's just like this so is i know i really widened it out even more i kind of should limit it probably more than uh, expand it but three so three people that are kind of like um like a mentor you know more of a more of a, like an older per, like, you know somebody who's older than you <clears throat> who you could call for advice and, oh. they, and they would be like they would always pick up the phone and be like oh my god ruby i'm so glad it's oh my god what can I, I, I know you with? okay ready lord i'm obsessed with her great 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 i want to be her best friend um so lord um uh oh this is so hard oh my god uh there's so many people i want to say i feel like like molly ringwald would be a cool friend to have nice. just uh, be like, just be like i can call up molly ringwald right now and just get some uh, some love life advice absolutely Oh my god, this is so hard. Um, uh-huh. Oh my god, Rosa Parks to fulfill my childhood dreams of in life. There you go. I love it. Okay, beautiful. There you go. Uh, okay, now this is alternate universe. Um, like boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, Bo wife. Burnham. Bo Burnham. That, that I barely had finished saying the sentence before. You, all you had you, to say was boy say. husband. Yeah. <laughs> um and uh i still need two more so we'll cross our fingers oh, that you end up okay with oh my god <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, okay okay michael sarah great and oh um oh my god all my friends make fun of me because i am obsessed with the weirdest celebrities um so far i am right there with you i know right they're just great um i'm trying to think of one more celebrity uh Mom, what's a, what? Uh, my mom's sitting. What's another celebrity boy I'm obsessed with? Help, help! Think fast. No, <laughs> you're so weird. I'm <laughs> um, sorry. My mom goes Michael Che? Question <laughs> mark. Um, okay, wait. Uh, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm taking so it's long. It's okay. I'm just under no, so no, much no. pressure. Um, help! This think fast. Uh, Dylan O'Brien. Okay, great. Okay, Dylan O'Brien, got him. Cool. Got him, got him. Okay, let's do three um, uh, future careers, and I'm going to go ahead because this is a fun fantasy mash game and say, like, don't worry about the things that you probably already know would be a bummer about them. Like, everything has an upside <laughs> and a downside, but let's just pretend that it's all upside all the time. Three careers. Okay. A comedian. Great. A director. Great. Oh, my God. Um... Uh, no, um, uh, no, no, uh, um, someone's still throwing out guy names. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're still throwing guy names at me, guys. This is future career options, not boys. Um, uh, oh yeah, just Wonder Woman. I just want to be that. Oh, hell yeah. Fantastic. Okay, great. And then, um, final category is, uh, three, <laughs> I'm going with three magical pets. So three creatures oh or, you know, th- I mean, I guess it doesn't have to be if you like, know you really want someone else's dog, but, um, but try to imagine three, you know, fictitious, uh, pets that for one reason, or it could even just be like a panda because that's unreasonable and unrealistic to have right yes. now. Um, three. I want a pet dragon. Great. Um, you know that pig from Moana? Yes. I yes. want that. <laughs> Moana pig. Yeah, Moana pig. Okay. But like no other, just like just the Moana, Moana pig. Moana pig. Like, I don't want like a, a an actual one. Yeah. Um, no, it's, a, it's then, a special one. And then you know that like little lizard thing? I don't even know what it's called from Tangled. That Just just Disney movie pets, I think, I know. is the, <laughs> the theme right now. Okay, the little lizard from Tangled. Yeah. I can't remember if it's like a gecko. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't really know. From a chameleon? Like, I can't animals. really tell. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm like pro- profiling animals right now. <laughs> we really have gotten to a place of apology if you have to worry about profiling the animals in a Disney movie. Um, okay, so, uh, you know, I got to do my little squiggle right now. So tell okay. me when to stop. Stop. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to do some quick tallying and if you could do me a favor and just take this time to um, remind people about the book, how they can get it, where to find you on social media and anything else you can think of to fill time, I will, I'm going to do this fast so we don't yeah. have to stop recording. 
Okay, um, I am a comedian. I have a monthly comedy show at Upright Citizens Brigade uh, on the Lower East Side in New York City. Uh, it's the second Monday of every month. My next show is October 9th. It'll actually be a show to promote my book, Earth Hates Me, which comes out on October 3rd. My sh- no, comedy show is at 7.30 on October 9th. Uh, you can find me at Ruby Carp with a K. Uh, not don't, that's not a part of my username. I just like my, I'm not spelled like the fish uh, on literally every social media website ever, and I will post updates on my life there. Awesome, 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 awesome! I'm so close to being done. Uh, mm-hmm. Just sing a little. Just oh, a and little and morning. and I'm doing New York Comedy Festival November 10th. I am moderating a panel uh, about women in comedy. Nice. Oh, man, I wish I could go. Okay. Um, All right. Excellent. I feel that, uh, listen, there's going to be, I feel like there's maybe a couple of ones that, you know, you might be like, oh, okay. Um, But in general, I think you'll be very happy with these results. Okay. Um, Okay. Number one, I want to congratulate you on your... uh, the, the the very specific Julia Roberts experience you had in India. Oh, thank God. I don't know if you took your little lizard from Tangled with you on that trip, oh. um, but uh, you definitely have one. Um, maybe you want to take him to play with you inside of La La Land, which you can go <laughs> to whenever you want. Um, oh, God. I probably, I don't know if he's like, it feels like maybe he might not be a lobster eater. So I don't know if you're going to be feeding him lobster, but rest assured you can have unlimited amounts of lobster. You are also, and plenty to go around for the entire cast of The Office. If you want to hang with them. Uh, As if that weren't enough, you can fulfill your childhood dream of being able to contact and get advice from the uh, legendary Rosa Parks. Oh, um, having Rosa Parks be my best friend. That's my dream. Kind of, kind of amazing. And um, I don't know if it's going to be intimidating to him that you happen to be actual Wonder Woman, but... (laughs) I'll tell you what, Mr. Yeah, Bo Burnham is going to have to deal with it. <gasps> yes. Thank God. God bless. Oh, my gosh. Ruby, thank bless you so Lord. much for doing the podcast. This is, you know, you're definitely like the, because we talk about our teen years, this is, you're the first person that I've been able to talk to who is speaking in the present tense. And uh, it's very <laughs> exciting for me. I was very, very excited when, um, when you guys reached out and, uh, and asked if you wanted to do this, because this is like a little, a little slice of heaven for me on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and uh, we'll have to connect soon and I can get updates from you on on what's going on and and um, and uh, how the book's doing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. And guys, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.